You are listening to the weekly podcast of Transformation Life Church in Muskegon, Michigan. We pray you enjoy today's message. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen. I want to read this scripture to you because a lot of you know it. I like picking scriptures you know and then kind of wrecking your theology a little bit. It's kind of fun. Right? It's kind of fun. How about this one? Proverbs 29:18 says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish." Have you ever heard that scripture before? Where there is no vision, the people perish. That scripture is not really accurately translated. Not saying the word of God is wrong, just saying sometimes translations get used that use words they're familiar with, but take out some of the value of what God really intended in the scripture. So, if you go back and look in the Hebrew, this scripture is more accurately stated where there is no revelation, the people run wild. Where there is no revelation, the people run wild. There's a difference between vision and revelation. Vision is something man sees, writes it down, tries to follow it, puts together a plan. Not saying they're not seeking God, but they have a vision. Revelation doesn't come from man. Revelation comes from God. So when I say, and I said this on Monday night, you can never grow in maturity if you live your life and only thing that's guiding you is your experiences. I don't remember how I said it. But you can't grow from experiences. You say, well, I think you can grow from experience. Oh, really, it didn't work for Elisha. Didn't work for Moses. Didn't work for Peter. Peter had great experiences. Think about the disciples. They got to go up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Did that experience do anything for them? It's great. They can go back to it and say how great God is, but you can't grow an experience. You only grow. The experience is supposed to give you a hunger to pursue the master. You get an experience in God and what God does in and through your life to generate a hunger. The hunger should drive you into a relationship with the one that brought you the experience. And in the relationship with him, you can grow even if the experience changes. How many know that experiences change? We're celebrating that uh, all of the prophets of Baal got burned up and killed and slaughtered. But then all of a sudden, one woman raises her voice and he's running. The prophet of God is running for his life. You 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 can't just read the Bible. If an experience was all you needed, that prophet right there would have never had fear enter in. I mean, what greater experience than that, that you can sit around and mock the other prophets of Baal and just sit there and say, hey, what's going on with your God? How come he's not showing up? I don't know what's going on. Did he have to take a body break? Right? I mean, this is, I mean, he's just having fun. 
Let me, and then he just has a lot of faith. He's like, let me show you how great my God is. I'm going to bring in some water, and I'm going to dump it, and I'm going to fill this stall up, and I'm going to make sure this sacrifice is wet, and God still shows up and burns everything up, and the prophets of Baal are slaughtered, and everything is changed, and yet that experience couldn't keep him from doubting God's ability to protect his life. So your experience can never become the thing that replaces the relationship. But it should become something that burns a fire inside you that causes you to go into a relationship and say, God, I don't know you good enough, but what you just did for me, I want to give you praise. I want to give you glory. I want to let you know. I want to get to know you more. Because if you would do that for me, and I'm not worthy of it, and I, I don't deserve it, but you still did it for me, then there must be something about you that I don't understand. That you would love me when I'm unlovable. That you would call me when I was unlikely to be used. That you would ever look at me in my fallen, miserable state and see greatness on the inside of me and say, I will use you. Come on. He, he came while we were yet sinners. When you let the experience become the thing that develops who you are, pride will fall in your life. It will come into your life. Look what I did. Look what I did. Oh, man, I'm getting good now. I just speak the word of God and people fall over. You become like the disciples wandering around, coming back to Jesus. Hey, the devils are subject to us. And Jesus looked at him and said, really, translation, knock the pride off your life because you would rather you rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life than that devils are subject. That's really what he was saying. Get the pride out. Because an experience will bring in pride. And we'll try to live based on that. But I want to give you a little bit of revelation today. I started with that scripture because I really believe that what I'm going to share today should give you a revelation of what it's going to take for this ministry and for each one of you in here to do what God's called us to do. But, um, Becca, I put them slides in there. Did you see those? I just want to remind you of the, the word war, the war si slides. They're like down towards the bottom. Write this down. Get this down. War. The W stands for worship, word, work. Let me explain this to you. We worship God, we get into his presence, when we get into God's presence, he then has an avenue to speak to us. If you get up in the morning and grab your Bible and start to read, that's great. I'm going to tell you that to transform the working of the word in your life, get up in the morning and give him at least a minute or two of worship. Just worship him. God, you are a great God. God, you are above everything. God, you are the God of the universe. Nothing compares to you, O oh God. And Lord, I'm asking you right now to speak to me as I get into your word because you're, you're such a great God and there's nothing that compares to you. And without you, I'd be nothing. And you're worthy of my praise and you're worthy of my worship. And then when you get into a place of worship, your heart and your spirit begin to open up. And it doesn't take long. You don't have to like, we're not, we're not like conjuring up spirits in some cauldron here. Right? We just got to open up our heart and let God know. Right? Enter into his courts with praise. Right? Enter into his, you, you, you just got to enter in praise and thanksgiving. 
and then get into the holy of holies. And then when you get into that place, you can just go, all right, God, I'm opening your word. Speak to me. Everything that pertains to life is in this word. Everything in this word will change everything about you. But unless you're open to hear it, you'll never get it. And then once the word begins to change you, you go to work. You go to work. You know, one of the biggest things that I've heard from ministers, they have a hard time hiring people because they think they come to work for a ministry and all they have to do is stand around the office and worship all day and God gets everything done. I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you the truth. They can't hire people because they think everything's so spiritual that they show up and they don't do any work. And you're like, did you get that done yet? Oh, no, but I've been praying. Well, great. The Bible says pray without ceasing. That means do it while you work. That tent that we so talked about the other day won't get up because we're praying. So we got to worship, get the word in us, then we get to work. And then here's what I want to talk about today. Because there's a key in the A. In the A. Are you looking? It's up there. In the A. We like to talk about authority. But your authority only has the power of what you're in agreement with. And your Bible says that one will put 10,000 or 1,000 to flight, two put 10. You need agreement for your authority to work to bring advancement. Now, there's something that we need to learn about how to be an authority and how to be in agreement. Because the Scripture that I believe Anthony talked about, Evangelist Anthony, or Sarah, I think, said it actually, brought up the Scripture in Matthew with the centurion soldier coming up to Jesus. Right? You all heard that. And he said, to what to Jesus? I, my servant is sick, lying at home. And Jesus said, I'll come. And he says, you don't need to come. But I'm a man of authority and under authority. And I know that you're a man under authority. Right? And all you have to do is speak the word. What, what he is doing there is he is submitting his authority under God's authority. He's submitting his authority. He has to humble himself and say, you know what? You're the master. Yes, I command people. I have the authority to tell people what to do. But I understand that what I need done can only be done through Jesus. And that if I humble myself, set my authority down and put it underneath your authority... then you'll do miracles that I can't do. Our ability to submit and to the level we can submit directly influences the level of authority you can walk in. When the disciples would go around and cast out devils, and then the sons of Sceva thought it was pretty cool. Right? They thought, we can make money on this deal. And so they started to go around saying, well, I'm going to cast you out. And the they didn't know who Jesus was. So they had to do it in Paul's name. You know, they had to do it. They had, they had to use somebody else, right? But, but here's the thing. They weren't submitted under that authority, which would have then submitted them under Jesus' authority, so they didn't have any authority. They thought they did, but they didn't. 
And so before you get all upset and think that I'm just trying to tell you to submit to me, because that, that's not my point. I know, you're already going there. No, that's not my point. But to the level would submit is to the level we can operate in authority. They're directly related. And then the level of that authority and the authority becoming that much stronger on the face of the earth. Because when Jesus said that, he said that we would do greater works than he did. I don't know about you, that still blows my mind. Greater works than he did. But there isn't, we're not going to get to greater works than what Jesus did unless we walk in authority and agreement. How shall two walk together lest they agree? That's what your Bible says. Now I want to get into something that destroys your authority and your ability to come into agreement. Are you ready? Because this is important. The, there's a, there is something that we deal with. And the body of Christ doesn't do good at dealing with this. And because we don't, we struggle with authority and agreement. And the devil keeps winning. But I'm going to give you a revelation today of some scripture and what it is that is destroying our ability to come into authority and into agreement. Okay? So, let's go to um, Matthew 17. So, I'm going to flip through some scriptures today, but, but we'll make it work. Matthew 17. You know, I'm going to start at verse 1. I wasn't really planning on it, but I'm going to. It says, I might skip a couple things to get to the point a little faster. Matthew 17, starting at verse 1. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brought them up to a high mountain alone and was transfigured before them. His face shone as the sun, and his garments became white as the light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter said, Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here, if you wish. Let us make three tabernacles here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I'm going to say it again. Your experience, if it doesn't drive you to want a relationship, will cause you to rise in pride. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were filled with awe. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Rise and do not be afraid. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. As they came down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. If you need any more scripture to tell you that you don't always have to tell what your vision is, God gives you, I don't know what to tell you. Not every time God shows you a vision means that this is the time to share it. Immaturity says, oh, I want people to know how mature, how spiritual I am. You wouldn't believe it. I was praying. Oh, you were praying? And I had a vision. Oh. A uh, vision? I mean, what? I'm not knocking it. Don't get me. I'm just saying. I'm maybe I'm just overemphasizing that because God gave you a vision, because you were praying, doesn't mean you need to share it. There's a level of 
listen, I'm going to say this a lot over the next few weeks, and I, I just know I am because this is what God, there is a level of maturity that God is going to pour out in this house. Maturity, steadfastness, stableness, cemented in. If you want, if you want to be able to do the things God has in store for you, if you want to see miracles, signs, and wonders in your life that you do, because God's raising up the body of believers to do the work of the ministry. It was, it was Stephen that was stoned first because of his miracles, signs, and wonders in the streets, and he was a deacon. And back then, deacons were put together so they could serve the people. Now we make it sound like serving is beneath us. So Jesus came down and commanded them, tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. His disciples asked, why then did disciples say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus answered, Elijah truly does first come and will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come. And they did not know him, but did to him whatever they please. Likewise, the Son of Man will also suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. Now, verse 14. When they came to the crowd, a man came to him and knelt before him, saying, now he's coming to Jesus, Lord. Have mercy on my son, for he is epileptic and suffers terribly. He often falls into fire and often into water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and he came out of him and the child was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief, for truly I say to you, if you have the faith as a grain of mustard seed, how many have read this scripture? You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Jesus said if we just have the faith as a grain of mustard seed. I want to I expand on this a little bit. Let's go to Hebrews 12. Let's go to Hebrew. Oh, I, I got to get better at this so Becca can keep up. Hebrews 12, 15. Whatever. She's there. You need to catch up. No, I didn't mark Hebrews. I got to find it. <laughs> Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews. All right. So Hebrews 12, 15. I actually like it better when it's up there. Exercise, foresight, and be on the watch to look. She must be doing amplified version. After one another to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favor and spiritual blessing, in order that no root of resentment, In order that no root of resentment, I'm just going to say this, bitterness shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment that many may become contaminated and defiled by it. I'm going I'm to touch on this today. This is going to be a tough one, but I think you can handle it. And it's not because I believe this is what is going on. It's because I know what the devil wants to do. So 
your Bible says that without revelation, we run wild. Right? We just read that. So I want to give you revelation so that you won't run wild. My people, your Bible says, perish from lack of, what's it say? It doesn't say lack of wisdom. It doesn't say lack of love. Doesn't say lack of acceptance. It says lack of knowledge. So I want to give you some knowledge so you don't perish. Are you good with that? So in this scripture, bitterness, where does bitterness come from? There's a lot of things that are tied to bitterness. Where it actually comes from is unhealed wounds. Bitterness is when you get wounded, it would be the same as your kid getting a skinned up knee. You put a Band-Aid on it, and every few minutes he yanks the Band-Aid off and keeps yanking the Band-Aid off, and it never gets healed. Bitterness comes from having a wound that we have never dealt with and we have never allowed God to heal and all of a sudden it takes root in us and it becomes bitterness and sometimes we wander around in denial and we don't even let God work because we say, no, that, that's not affecting me. Really? Because everybody else sees it showing up, but you can't see it, right? Right? And so you continue to deny it. And here's the thing. It says in this scripture, it says that it shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment. And the who? Many become contaminated and defiled by it. Your bitterness. Why am I saying this? Because God is trying to refine us. Did he not just say just a few weeks ago that this is a place of refinement and it's a refinement fire? I know there's going to be a day that unsaved people walk in here all the time now, a little bit here and there. There's going to be a day unsaved are going to be coming in here all the time. And listen, if us as the body of Christ don't take it seriously to become mature believers, we will spread bitterness to the unsaved and they will leave here and be in worse shape than they were when they came in the first time. And if you think you're exempt to that, you're no different than Peter. Thank God that Jesus said, bring me my disciples and Peter. And that's the type of ministry we're going to have. People do stuff wrong, do something dumb. I mean, sometimes you just shake your head like, I don't understand that. I mean, there's, there's times I do things I shake my well, I don't know why I did that. I mean, and then sometimes you see people do it and you go, I, I don't know why they would do that. But I prefer to be like Jesus. Bring him back here and that one. And that one, and that one, and that one. Instead of just saying, well, they left here. Too bad for them. We're all about the one. Except the one that's hurting and leaving. I didn't mean to go down that rabbit hole, but. Bitterness does not only affect you, but it affects those around you. Listen, here's where the thing is. Bitterness comes into a place where it, it happens 
And it causes us to get into a place where we refuse to release the grace of God on the lives of others. Why don't we heal? Why don't we heal? Every one of us in this place has done something that I'm sure if we thought God was a, a God of wrath and, and really, 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 really wanted to deal with us, he would have threw a rock on us already. We would have been done. Right? Every one of us can look at our life and we can say, man, I'm not worthy of any of this grace. Every one of us could look at that. But why is it we can accept the grace of God on our life and refuse to accept God's grace on another person's life? See, Healing can't happen because we don't accept the grace in someone else's life. And the reason we don't accept it is because we say they don't deserve it. We have something we're hanging on to. And we hang on to it and we'll say, well, you, you don't deserve the grace. I know what you did. It hurt me. You don't deserve the grace. But we'll be the first ones to go to God and ask for the grace. And that's how the healing process gets stopped. Now, there's an interesting scripture in the Bible. Say it's in the Bible. Go to Matthew 18. I'm going to bring this up. I'll find it. Uh, where are you at? Matthew 18. Yeah, verse uh, I, uh, 21. If, if you really don't understand that, oh my gosh, it's 12 o'clock. If we don't really understand that Jesus had to deal with this and his disciples, here, let me get this to you. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Now, if he really felt like I can just forgive my brother any time, would he be asking how often he had to do it? Like he was looking for a scapegoat. All right, you're at seven, buddy. Don't come back to me. I don't have to forgive you no more. Seven was the number. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle the accounts, one was brought to him and owed him 10,000 talents. But since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he be sold with his wife and their children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees and pleaded with him, saying, Master, have patience with me. I will pay you everything. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion. Jesus went about doing good works because he was moved by compassion. Release him and forgive him the debt. Come on, is that good? Now let's read on. But that same servant, say the, the forgiven Christian, went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denaro. He laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and entreated him, entreated him saying, have patience with me. I will pay you everything. But he would not and went and threw him in prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what took place, they were very sorry and went and told their master all that had taken place. You don't have to go tell the master. He knows everything. Then his master, after he had summoned him, said to him, Oh, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on you? His master was angry and delivered him to the jailers until he shall pay all of his debt. 
please tell me why that's in the Bible. Please tell me why that's in the Bible if all we have to do is ask God to forgive us, live any way we want to, and there is no way we'd miss heaven. Please, somebody. Anybody? It's an example of how we should treat others. It is also, God, he wouldn't tell this if it's not the nature of who God is. How is it that we go to the judgment seat of God? And he says to them, depart from me, for I never knew you. But did we not cast out devils? Did we not do this? Did we not do that? And he says, depart from me, for I never knew you. There's a pastor that I know fairly well. Years ago, he told this story. He was doing revival services in a church. And this is back in the day when we started getting rid of hymnals. Anybody remember them days all the hymnals had to go because somehow that became demonic music? <laughs> Got to get rid of the hymnal. They were written by bar tool tunes. and I don't know. They made up all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm not asking for the hymnals to come back. But I do like some of the old songs. And there was a man, they were doing revival services, and he would stand in the front row, and as soon as the music started, he would put cotton in his ears. And then he would turn around and look at everybody. And he kept doing this. And then one day, in one of the revival services, he came up to the pastor, and he said to him, pray for me, I'm losing my hearing. And the pastor says, hmm, why do you put cotton in your ears if you're losing your hearing? So he's like, I'll pray for you. You know, let's say we're, we're all led by the Spirit, right? I mean, there's times people come up to me. There have been times in this place. I've walked up to somebody like I was going to pray for them and walked away because I knew God told me not to do it. Well, why didn't you pray for them? I don't know why. I was just told not to. God doesn't necessarily tell me why. So he come up to him, and he, he began to lay hands on him. As soon as he put his hand on him, God spoke to him and said, don't pray for him. I'm taking his hearing because he mocks the worship and leadership of this church. So he takes his hand off him and says, sir, I can't pray for you. But God said he'll heal your hearing if you'll repent to the worship leader and the worship team of this church and the pastor because you've been mocking them. And the man went like this. Who do you think you are? And he went out the door. This pastor was so touched, he went to the pastor of that church. And he told them what he had said to him, and he told them what happened. And he said, man, if I'm off, if there's something wrong, he says, just tell me I'll repent. And the pastor looked at him and said, no, no, he's going to think I talked to you. He has been doing that for months. For months. And so the whole time he would get up in front of the church and put cotton in his ears and turn around, he was mocking the worship team and the worship of the church to everybody else in the congregation. And he had an opportunity to repent and be healed. But he refused. God will not be mocked. Right? Now listen, let's go to this. I got to do this really fast. Luke 17. Somebody's always got to be funny. All the, all the comedians out of work and they're still trying to become one. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Luke 17. 
this story is directly related to Matthew. With the grain of faith the size of a mustard seed. Then he says to the disciples, verse number one, it is impossible except that offenses will come. What does that mean? You're going to have them show up in your life. It is impossible except that offenses will come. But woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea than to offend one of those or these little ones. And now we use this to talk about children. But can I tell you, when somebody gets saved, they're a child of God, and they're young in their faith, and you can offend somebody who's young in their faith just like you can offend a child. Offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. There's something right there. Do you know how many times I say to people, when there's a conflict and I tell them to shut up and to only deal with the person they got to deal with. And do you know how many times they listen to that? And they think that, that it's because I have some agenda. I don't have an agenda. I have the word of God. And if we learn to live by this, your life will be so much better. So it says in here, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents for forgiveness, if this, the, forgive him. It should be done. Which means what? It means we don't ever talk about it again. Why would you talk about it? If Jesus says, if the Bible talks about forgiveness is like having it cast into the sea, to never be remembered again, then why is it we forgive but want to remember? So, and part of the way to get yourself to not remember is you shut up. Because when you don't talk about something long enough, you'll forget about it. That's why I got to go around and keep repeating names all the time, because if I don't, I'm going to forget your name. That's one thing I don't like about Anthony Greaves, and I love that man. You say your name to him one time, and he'll never forget he makes me mad every time I'm around him. <laughs> He's like, Luke, I didn't even know Luke's name, and I had talked to him three times. Anthony didn't, and, you know, all of a sudden, Anthony's like, Luke, come over here. I'm like, what? <laughs> Somebody's do something with that guy. I don't know where he gets that. Can't remember my own name. But that's why we, because if we just stop talking about it, we'll forget about it. But here, i got to get further. And it says, in the day, seven times a day, turns to you saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So the apostle says, the apostles, right, says to the Lord, increase our, what's it say? Is Jesus talking about faith? No. Jesus is talking about forgiveness. And in the middle of talking about forgiveness, these brilliant disciples say, will you increase our faith? So then Jesus says, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, in King James, it doesn't say mulberry. It says sycamine tree. They're related in the same family, but they're different. And I'll cover that in a minute. It, and, it will be, and it will obey you. Which of you... Now listen, which of you having a servant plowing or herding sheep will say to him when he comes in from the field, come now and sit down for dinner? 
Will he not rather say to him, prepare my supper and dress yourself and serve me until I eat or drink? Does he think that the servant, because he did what he was commanded? I think not. So you also, when you have done everything commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done our duty. He's talking about the way we would treat a servant. They've done all the work, but we don't bring them in and say, rest and relax. We still say, take care of me. But I want to go back up here to this. They're saying, increase our faith. Jesus is saying, what? What's the content, context of the chapter? I know, I know scripture, we take verses out of context sometimes and we use them for our benefit. And sometimes it's good, it's pliable, it's living, right? But when you're trying to get the meaning of something, you've got to keep it in the context of the chapter. And we've got to get away from saying, what does that say to you? What does that mean to you? I don't care what it means to you. I care what is God saying. Now, if you want to twist his word so you're more comfortable, great. That's your plan. That's okay. But God doesn't want us to do that. God wants us to open up his Bible and not say, what does this mean to me? But to say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you teaching me? And when it comes against what we've believed or it comes against what we think of who God is, we should say, that's not the way I've seen it. God, thank you for opening up my eyes and my understanding that I could have the knowledge and understanding of the Spirit of God and the wisdom to walk in your ways. That's how we should read the Bible. We should grab it and say, thank you for revealing to me who you are, what your character is, what your plan is, whether I like it or not. So he's talking about unforgiveness, and they're saying, increase my faith. He's talking about taking this tree and saying, if you would speak to this tree, it would be uprooted. Not cut down, uprooted. The reason the disciples couldn't cast a demon out of a young boy was because they still had roots in them of bitterness. They were still in the process. Listen, it's a process. We're all in the process. We know they were in the process. We can read all of the times they failed. It's okay. Doesn't make them less a disciple. Doesn't make them less called by God. Doesn't make them less a person. Just shows that they're human like we are. And there are times that we're still in a process. And there are times we're going to fail. And if we don't allow the wounds of that are inflicted upon us as we fail or we inflict on somebody else to keep festering and we deal with them, we'll keep the root of bitterness away. And if we get into this place where bitterness doesn't exist, then our faith can operate. Not only can we operate in authority but we'll operate in agreement. And when we operate in authority and in agreement, we will advance the kingdom of God. Now listen, I want to go over this with you really quick. <laughs> Not yet. The level of your faith only increases when you begin to release others from unforgiveness. 
the tree, the sycamine tree. This is Jewish history. Five things that this tree is known for. The sycamine tree has the deepest root systems in the Middle East. In other words, it don't come out easy. Two, the tree flourishes in dry places and doesn't need water. Why do you think when you get bitter you don't want to show up at the house of God? Because the living water is contrary to the growth of the tree. Number three, the preferred wood from the sycamine tree is used in the Middle East for making coffins. Jesus didn't just pick any tree. Stop thinking that God's just picking things and he don't really know what he's talking about. He's specific. There's a reason he picked that tree. Number four, the fruit of the tree is very bitter. Hmm. The root of bitterness. You don't pick the fruit and chow it down like it's some kind of a strawberry. It's too bitter. You wouldn't do it. You ready for this one? The last one. I'm, you ready for this one? The tree... How many know that plants have to be pollinated? The tree has to be pollinated by a sting of a wasp. There ain't nothing gentle about the root of bitterness. And every time we separate ourselves into dry places, that root grows. It flourishes in dry places. And every time we let it sit there and simmer, and even somebody just says something remotely related or sounds similar to, you feel like you got stung. And they may not know anything going on in your life. But that's exactly how it will work. You will feel like you're being stung again and stung again and stung again. And the people around you are like, I don't know what's wrong with him because we're not talking about anything to do with this person. And it doesn't matter because the enemy knows that he's pollinating and he's causing that root to grow by stinging you. And every time, just every time there's a slight possibility he'll twist whatever words are being spoken so they'll come into your mind and sound like something that was never said and it will sting you again that's how it works within the context of God's word when he said if you have the faith of the grain of mustard seed, you shall speak to this sycamine tree, and it shall be uprooted. What he is dealing with is not the level of your faith, but the point that you need to point to bitterness inside of your life and get it rooted out. And when you get it out, then we can move on to authority in agreement. Because until the bitterness is, I don't care where the bitterness came from. Maybe it's from 10 years ago. Maybe it's from 20 years ago. Maybe it's from yesterday and it's already festering. I don't know where it's coming from, but 
You know, that's why I said when I was washing the feet of Anthony and Sarah, that's why I made a point to say it wasn't because they had bad pastors before them. But authority in agreement will bring advancement in your life, my life, this ministry, this city. God will advance because he'll have a body of believers that are in authority and in agreement. And every time something rises up between us as individuals, we're going to know what that bitterness feels like because we'll know the sting. Come on. The people perish from lack of knowledge. We're not talking about vision. We're talking about revelation. Getting a revelation of how things work and that that sting is, what is it? When we feel the sting, we'll know exactly what it is. We'll know that we're feeling a sting because all of it, there must be a root trying to develop in me. Otherwise, there'd be no reason for the sting. I'm preaching this to set you free. I'm not, I'm going to say this again. I'm not preaching this because I think that this church is full of bitterness or, or, or that, that we're not, that we're coming against each other. I don't believe that's not going on here at all. We all, I think we all love each other a lot. We get along great. There's not an upheaval of this going on. But I'm here to tell you, that's how the enemy wants to come in. And when God gave me war, and now he's beginning to show me what that means, I, I'm not getting this from somebody else. I don't know anybody else saying it. I don't know of anybody else that's ever said it. I'm not getting this from somebody else. I'm getting this from God. Because he's preparing this place. And so I know that we've got to go through this A of authority and agreement to get the advancement. And when we begin to get into the advancement, then we'll get into the R. And we're going to see repentance and restoration and true revival. And after we get done with that true revival... We're going to see the greatest awakening we've ever seen in this city. I am still believing with everything in me. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I'm going to keep saying it. I am believing for the greatest outpouring of souls for the kingdom of God that this city has ever seen this year. The greatest outpouring. And I need you. God needs you. He needs you. To stop worrying about what happened yesterday. I don't even like to talk about the past anymore. Sometimes I'll share a little bit just trying to, you know, like, like the membership meeting when I was sharing the things we've been through. I don't even like to talk about it anymore. Why? Because I don't care. It doesn't, it doesn't hold anything in me. I may share it just so you can understand that we've had to walk through some things, but but, but I, don't, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want the connection. I've forgiven, and I've moved on. And, I, and I'll say this to the point that I've actually went to the person without caring what their response was going to be and telling them, that I was sorry for what took place and telling them that I still love them. I did it. Walked in their office. Well, I don't know about doing that. They'll mock me. Yeah, you know what? I didn't get the greatest response. Didn't matter. didn't matter because what matters is what's in me not what's in them 
unforgiveness. Come on, unforgiveness is like you drinking poison, hoping they die. It's not not about them, it's about you. So come on, stand up with me this morning. I pray. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.